Welcome back, everyone. Today on The Joseph Carlson Show, we have news that Elon Musk, as well as other notable figures like Steve Wozniak, have signed an open letter. An open letter expressing their concern about artificial intelligence. They want to slow down programs like OpenAI, ChatGPT. They want a six-month pause to take a breather and to try to come up with regulations because they believe that this type of artificial intelligence is dangerous to the overall economy. Now, I have the entire letter. We're going to go through it. I'll be going over whether this is a good idea or bad idea to slow this down. We also have news that Apple launched a buy now, pay later service called Apple Pay Later. It has no fees and no interest rates. This is a big move by Apple, further entrenching themselves in the financial sphere. We'll be going over that as well. Amazon may be buying AMC. There's a rumor that they may actually buy the movie the, the movie theaters AMC. We'll be looking at that. I'm a big holder in Amazon stocks, so that's one of my big holdings. Disney and Microsoft are ditching the metaverse plans, and it seems like as time goes on, the metaverse has been abandoned. This whole idea, the, the whole living in a, a different world, that was talk about six months ago. Seems like it's not really happening anymore, but the latest news is that Disney... Disney's ditching out as well. And then finally, we have news that Pepsi changed their logo. We'll be looking at the previous one and the current one, and I'll be giving my opinion on whether this logo is awesome or whether the previous one was better. So as always, we have a lot to get to in this episode. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Now, the letter is titled, Pause Giant AI Experiments and Open Letter. We call on all AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT version 4. And it has 1,100 signatures right now. Most of them are not too notable of that 1,100, but it does have some very notable signatures there. One of the signers is Steve Wozniak, one of the original founders of Apple. He's the one that implemented all the changes to the Macintosh, and he has serious concerns about technology and advancements. He was not surprising to see sign this. The other one that I think is the biggest name that signed this, that is a little surprising in my opinion, is Elon Musk. Now, before I go into that, I want to read the letter and see what they're actually concerned about. It says AI systems with human competitive intelligence can pose profound risks to society and humanity, as shown by extensive research and acknowledgement by top AI labs. As stated in widely endorsed ASLMR AI principles, advanced AI could represent a profound change in the history of life on Earth and should be planned for and managed with commensurate care and resources. Unfortunately, this level of planning and management is not happening. Even though recent months have seen AI labs locked in an out-of-control race to develop an ever more powerful digital mind that no one, not even their creators, can understand, predict, and reliably control. We're getting, we're getting it portrayed like it's this, this enigma, this big, powerful brain that nobody can control. It's going to steal everybody's jobs. It has human-level competitive intelligence. AI is impressive, but this is a very scary way of, of putting things, that first paragraph. Contemporary AI systems are now becoming human competitive at general tasks, and we must ask ourselves, should we let machines flood our information channels with propaganda and untruth? Should we automate away all the jobs, including the fulfilling ones? Those are some good questions, but let me just, let me highlight some things here. Should we, here's the first question. Should we let machines flood our information channels with propaganda and untruth? Sure, there's some untruths that ChatGPT and other AI learning machines are going to flood the channels with, 
But the counter question, the thing that I push back with this, is that not what humans do already? Humans flood every channel with as much misinformation as possible. The difference between AI and humans is that humans are far more prone to bias than AI. AI can actually have bias trained out of it. That's something that we can do mathematically. Humans work emotionally. AI has no emotion. So I would actually push back on this concern here, that our information channels are going to be flooded with propaganda and untruths by first saying that's already happening. Look at our journalists. Look at MSNBC, CNBC, Fox News. Are those anything different than propagandists? When you visit those channels, they share any bit of data to support their side of the story, to support what they're saying. They ignore, they minimize, they, they twist facts to serve their purposes and what I would consider to be straight up propaganda. That is the mainstream media. When you get into other forms of propaganda, you get into to entire communities online where people have conspiracy theories not founded on any type of scientific fact or truth whatsoever. So right here, we're getting into concerns about AI that at the very least, we should consider how these problems already exist in a much bigger extent with what humans are already doing. AI could potentially actually go away and wash out a lot of these untruths and propaganda. If AI is trained properly to have no bias, to focus on factual evidence, things that have been repeatedly proven that are conclusive, that could actually get rid of a lot of untruth in the world, not complicate it. The next thing we have here is they say, should we automate, automate away all our jobs, including the fulfilling ones? There is zero evidence ever throughout all of human history that further automation, that further efficiency that comes along with these type of things leads to overall higher unemployment. You can go back to when we were farmers. When we were farmers, over 40% of the jobs in the U.S. had to do with farming and production. That was what everybody did. Back then, literally half of us would be farmers. That got automated away. Now we have less than 1% of people farming. We produce an excess of food that we export to different countries, and we have lower unemployment now than we did back then. Even going back to a more recent example, just 20 years ago, from the onset of the internet, there were similar concerns like this, that every single meaningful job is going to be automated away. Almost every job was automated away from 20 years ago. Look back to what people did. The internet automates away all of that. So many things have been automated away with software. Software has made things more efficient every single year. Software has made it so that physical documents are done online, so that normal routine processes are done immediately. Software has automate, automated away millions and millions of jobs, yet we have a lower unemployment rate now than we've ever had in history. So this is another claim right here from this open letter that it's going to automate all of our jobs away when that has not been proven to happen in history whatsoever. Old routine jobs that can be done by robots get automated away. If robots and software can do the job, those get automated away, but it almost always releases human talent to create other fields of work. If this was some type of outlier, if this was some type of case where this is going to automate away all the jobs and we're not going to create any new innovative fields, anything else that we can do that robots can't do, this would be the first time that's ever happened in human history. So that would be something new. Now, as an investor, there's a, a phrase that Howard Marks and many other investors say is a very dangerous phrase to use. 
This time, it's different. That's the dangerous phrase. This time, everything's different. It's going to work out differently than it has throughout all of human history. The reason that phrase is, is, is a dangerous one, this time it's different, is because almost always, this time it's not different. Things work out the same way they always have. I highly doubt that ChatGPT is going to automate away all fulfilling, interesting jobs to do. And not only is it going to do that, but humans will create with their free time and creativity and ingenuity of the human brain, which is much smarter than ChatGPT, we're not going to create any new work to do for any of us. I just do not see that happening. Could be wrong. This is the future. It is unknown. But the facts and history are on my side. That has never happened before. Continuing on, they say powerful AI systems should be developed only once we are confident that their effects will be positive and the risks will be manageable. This is another thing, and I have to say, I'm a little disappointed for Elon Musk signing this letter. I realize that he sees this doom and gloom future of artificial intelligence taking over everything, but the fact that he's signing a letter calling for more government intervention, for the government to come in and regulate technology before we even see the impacts of it, I think is disappointing. Imagine if we took this route for the modern day internet. Imagine if we said, wow, the internet is going to release a lot of capabilities. It's going to automate a lot of jobs. This is scary new technology. It's going to come along with a lot of evils. Think about all the evils that will happen with the internet. So the government needs to step in and prevent any further development of the internet. The government needs to step in and say, look, Comcast, you can't lay down any more cable lines. We don't want internet going to new people's homes. That is essentially what they're calling for here a limitation in the progress of new technology, halting it entirely for six months. That would be unprecedented in the U.S. It would put the government in a situation where they're trying to regulate and come up with manageable risk assessments of something that they have no clue about and we don't even know the impacts of. And many of these impacts, like stated here, may be completely overblown. So this is something else that I do not agree with at all. I don't think the government should be stepping in, limiting what companies should be doing private development in AI systems. That's not how anything has worked in the past. This confidence must be well justified and increased with the magnitude of systems potential effects. Then they continue on, and here's the paragraph that I think is just the most incredible. Therefore, we call on all AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4. This pause should be public and verifiable and include all key actors. If such a pause cannot be enacted quickly, governments should step in and institute a moratorium. There you have it. You have Elon Musk calling on the government to stop other companies of which he has no ownership, no equity in, to stop their innovation. Now, I realize that, that Elon Musk was one of the founders. He was one of the ones that uh, he like contributed to one of these companies at the beginning, but he has no equity stake in them. He did that a long time ago. He's given up all equity stake. He has no ownership of them. And now that they're coming out with incredibly impressive technology, incredibly helpful technology to many businesses, to many things that will make the U.S. more competitive, now he's calling on the government to step in and institute a moratorium based on safety concerns. Now, there's a number of concerns that I have with this letter. And first of all, I'll just highlight what I think is a double standard here. Elon Musk has been working with innovation for a long time, and he's working as hard as he can to make innovations that would directly lead 
to the job loss of millions and millions of employees that rely on their job for their family and their livelihood. Driverless cars will kill most jobs in U.S. states. Just in truck driving, truck driving alone, if that was to be automated and there was to be no driver for trucking, that would kill at least 3.5 million jobs. So you've just put out of business 3.5 million million people that rely on that as their job. Then you also have tons of other jobs outside of trucking that require people to drive, including taxiing. That's a pretty big one, including Uber, including DoorDash, including every single transportative service, bus services, school bus drivers, all of that. Elon Musk is working on technology as fast as he can with no moratorium, with no break to try to put out millions of people out of their job when it comes to driving. And that's the entire goal of his company. That's one of the biggest things. That's one of the the biggest value creators. Tesla investors look at Elon Musk and Tesla and they say that the robo-taxi network is going to be a massive value proposition. Where does all that value come from? It comes from the fact that you're raising the margins by making a Tesla be able to do all these services without a driver. In addition to that, we also have Elon Musk developing the robot Optimus, which he himself says is the end goal is to have it be able to do routine labor tasks. Think of that. If this could do routine labor tasks, Optimus could replace warehouse workers. Warehouse workers make up over 11 million jobs. All of them would be displaced, or at least their job role would be changed, similar to what ChatGPT is doing to a lot of job roles now. So what Elon Musk has been working on, without limitation, without calling for government intervention, is lots of innovations that would cause massive job loss across the U.S. if he was to get to the end goal of these innovations. And then in addition to that, while calling on the government to stop the development of OpenAI and ChatGBT, there's rumors that Elon Musk is recruiting a team to develop his own technology that does the same thing. So it's difficult to say how genuine Elon Musk's concern is about this. I do think he's really concerned about the technology and about the implications, but I also think that it's conveniently self-serving and a bit hypocritical with what he's been working on as well. The concerns he's laying out for ChatGPT are also directly applicable to automating all driving and to making robots that can do routine tasks in warehouses and around the house. So there you have it. You have a team of people working on artificial intelligence. There's lots of concerns about it right now. It's been hyped up a lot, I'll say, over the past year. And then there's other people calling. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. On it to be limited, to be scaled back and to be paused for the next six months. Now, do I agree with this letter overall that we should have a six month halt on the development of AI, new innovative technology, or we should have the government come in, heavily regulate it and have a moratorium on it? Of course, I do not. I think the entire idea of this is preposterous. I think it's absurd. I think it would be a disaster if the goal of this letter was actually to happen. The government was to come in and regulate advancements in technology step by step like patch releases in an app. Imagine again if we did that for the internet. If we had the government come in and prevent the the creation, the adaption, and the progress of the internet and 
put it through a funnel where the government released little patch notes, assessing the risk of every little advancement in the internet, not letting internet speeds go up too quickly, because that might, that might have too big of consequences. That would be a disaster. And the route that that goes down, where the government gets its hands in every industry and regulates the progress and capitalism and growth in every industry, would be more disastrous for job creation than the advancements of ChatGPT. Furthermore, another thing that they, they do in this letter is they go over all the scary gloom and doom. When you read the letter, you think, wow, this looks pretty bad. Everybody's going to lose their job. Aside from the fact, again, that there's no evidence that will happen, that everybody's going to lose their job, they also seem to gloss over all the benefits of AI. One of the biggest ones being in healthcare. Healthcare needs as much help as it can get. Identifying diseases, identifying problems and cancers, coming up with solutions to these problems needs as much help as it can get. And I can give you just a for example, a for instance. Google has been working with image processing and image-related AI to actually identify different diseases, to take scans of your eye and be able to accurately identify what disease, what problems your eyes have, to be able to take samples of your skin, just image scans, and identify whether or not they're cancerous. These are massive progresses in technology that could potentially save millions of people's lives. Slowing down the progress in AI development and technology could further delay meaningful, impactful improvements to the diagnosis and treatment of health-related conditions across the entire health spectrum. Everything we're doing with healthcare, AI can improve. So the fact that we're going on trying to prevent the progress of artificial intelligence based on concerns that are completely unfounded and unproven in history, I, I don't believe is a good route to go down. That's my thoughts on it. Let me know what you think. Now, moving on, we also have news that Apple has introduced Apple Pay Later. This is a buy now, pay later service, which is basically when you, when you don't have the money or you don't have the willingness to pay for something upfront, you want to split the purchases into multiple purchases and pay for it maybe once a week. Apple Pay users can split purchases into four payments with zero interest and no fees. That's the kicker right there. Zero interest and no fees. Why and how can Apple do this? First of all, the why. Why would Apple make it so that they have zero interest and no fees? Well, that gives them a competitive moat against every other buy now, pay later service. Most of them are filled with late fees. That's how they make all their money. Most of them have no interest, so that's not much different, but they do have fees, big late fees. So companies like Affirm that have big late fees, they're going to have a competitive disadvantage to Apple. Now, how does Apple do this? How do they actually make money doing this? That's the more difficult question. Apple has such a massive ecosystem that fortunately they don't have to monetize their products every single product individually. They basically want to get people into the ecosystem and then they monetize them in different ways. So while they may actually lose money on Apple Pay Later in the short term, this works out to their benefit. For example, what are some big purchases that you might want to split up into smaller purchases? Well, you have your Nike shoes. You might want to split those up. You have Apple Store payments. You might want to split that up. Or you have buying a new iPhone that's $1,100. Ouch, that's a big one. It would be nice if there's a convenient Apple service tied into your phone where you could upgrade your phones and instead of paying that $1,100 upfront, you could split it up over four payments every month, right? That would make it a little bit easier to swallow. In essence, what Apple's doing here is they're creating a moat around their competition by having no late fees and no payments or no, no interest on the payments. 
And then they're also making it easier for people to buy their phones, which have very high margins. So again, they're monetizing it in different ways. And this is how Apple has an inherent advantage over any other buy now, pay later service. The ecosystem that Apple has built makes every individual service more valuable because they can twist the levers of monetization in different ways. This is also why it makes sense for Apple to have a credit card. Even if they don't make money on the credit card, they get you attached to their ecosystem. It all has to do with the greater monetization power that this company has. This one, for example, they say that it's going to impact payments that are 50 to $1,000. So that's the biggest that you can put on it. And then you manage the payments in your Apple wallet, which I love the Apple wallet. I love sending different things there. You can put, add anything to it, your insurance cards. It's going to be your driver's license. You can add movie tickets to it. Now you're going to be able to add Apple Pay tickets. The ecosystem that Apple's building is just, it's beautiful. It's a work of art. Other companies should try to learn from Apple. I don't think many companies have been able to build out this powerful of an ecosystem. But I think this is a, a pretty big deal. In my opinion, I think it is better than what I've seen, the offering from other companies, so I think it will be used. I must say, though, overall, my feelings on buy now, pay later hasn't changed. I think the people that this appeals to the most, the people that want to spread out payments, are precisely the people that should not be spreading out payments. In essence, what this is, is debt. Getting into debt because you don't have enough money to pay for something up front is not a good strategy. And no matter how many different powerful tools we have to manage debt, it's still very difficult and I think it's less optimal. I have never once paid a late fee on my credit card, ever, in my entire life. My dad hasn't either. He's 73 years old and he's never once paid a diamond interest to a credit card company. I use credit cards, but that's just so I'm not spending my own money. That's for fraud protection. But I pay off my credit card every two weeks, not even once a month. I pay it off every two weeks just to not have debt in my personal household balance sheet. The only type of debt that I think is actually decent is home debt or where you have an asset that's worth more than the debt itself. So when it comes to these type of services, although I think that Apple's taking a better route, I think they're doing it better than other companies, I still believe most people should just avoid them completely. I have zero interest in using Apple Pay Later. I probably will never use it in my lifetime. Now, moving on, we have another report that caught a couple people off guard. AMC soars on report that Amazon Ways offer for the theater chain. Now, the report here is that AMC Holdings rose 13% after the Intersect website reported that Amazon.com is weighing a possible acquisition of the struggling movie theater chain. Now, do I believe that Amazon is looking at a potential acquisition or purchase of AMC? Yes, I'd actually believe it. It seems like something Amazon would do. I know Amazon. I've studied them for a long time. They look at potentially buying anything that might make them more vertically integrated. And they're coming out with a lot of media content. They're making that a big push in their company. They've obviously had Amazon Prime Video. They're going into sports. And so them trying to extend the vertical reach of their content to owning the end user, which is the movie theater, I could see them doing that. That's not out of the realm of possibility. I'd see Amazon seriously considering doing that. If you think about it, Amazon is not afraid to go into physical buildings. They're not afraid to go into retail. They're not afraid to open up hundreds of warehouses and spend heavily on CapEx. And they spend tens of billions of dollars a year, many of them on acquisitions. They are a very acquisitive company as well. AMC is, I believe, worth about $2 billion, if I'm not mistaken. That would be an acquisition, but not even a big one for Amazon. We're talking about a company here that does over half a trillion dollars in revenue. 
So could this happen? Theoretically, yes. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. In my opinion, I hope it doesn't. I don't think that AMC is that attractive of an asset. I wouldn't buy AMC stock myself, so I'm hoping Amazon doesn't either. But I think they'd have to have a pretty good reason of how they have a lot of synergy, how it's going to work together if they're going to buy this company. Now, the next piece of news is one that's not rather surprising. There's articles like this coming out from the Wall Street Journal. The metaverse is quickly turning into the metaverse. That's a good... That's a good uh, pun there, a good dad joke from the Wall Street Journal. Disney and Microsoft both closed projects tied to the digital realm this month. And we have other news that Disney is eliminating its metaverse division as part of the company's layoff plans. Now, they say in the report that they only had like 50 employees working on their metaverse team. But Disney did have a real metaverse team within the company, which is something that I didn't even know they had. I thought that they were just all talk about the metaverse. I didn't know they were actually doing anything. But apparently they had a small team, 50 people working on it, and they're firing the entire team or putting them somewhere else in the company. This is typically what happens with these buzzwords in most cases. And that's why I'm highly skeptical anytime a new buzzy thing comes around. Remember way back when, the biggest technological advancement in the world was the onset of crypto crypto technology, Bitcoin. Bitcoin was going to change payment processing. It was going to upend the banking system. It was going to go right around Visa and MasterCard. It was going to be the big new thing that everybody used. And Bitcoin went to the moon. I never bought any Bitcoin. I've never bought any crypto. In my entire life, I've never bought $1 worth of any type of crypto. The reason being is because I do not believe all the, the claims of something that I consider to be buzzworthy that has little little actual change that it's implementing. I don't see that many changes of crypto or Bitcoin in in general. Now, the other thing was blockchain. That was supposed to be the new big innovative technology that was going to change the world. Maybe it just hasn't had time to yet. But again, I've not seen any meaningful changes with blockchain. I've not seen it implemented anywhere where it's changed the world at large. And I consider it largely to be a buzzword, something that a lot of companies were saying, they're the blockchain company. What does blockchain actually do? They don't even know, but they're the blockchain company. And hopefully their market cap goes up as a response of being the blockchain company. That was another buzzword. Then we had the metaverse come along. This is something that was very buzzwordy to begin with, but then Mark Zuckerberg really latched onto the metaverse. He wanted to pivot away from being the Facebook company with its soured brand. And so he renamed the company Meta. He went heavily talking about the metaverse. And for a while, that played out to their advantage. Now, in the last earnings report, Mark Zuckerberg seems to have completely abandoned all talk about the metaverse, knowing that investors don't want to hear about it. They don't see anything actually happening. In fact, most investors consider that to be a giant money hole, big money pit. So everybody's abandoning the metaverse now, the latest buzzword to be left in history, to have its grave dug and no longer anybody's talking about it. The latest here is Microsoft and Disney abandoning their metaverse plans. The one thing that I think is different than all of these buzzwords is AI. I knew that artificial intelligence was being talked about. It set off those alarms. Joseph, this sounds very much like the buzzword, like the new metaverse. Everybody's going to start talking about this in all of their earnings reports. And they did. In the earnings reports over the past six months, every company's talking about AI. It's mentioned orders of magnitude more frequently in their earnings calls. 
But this is the one where I think it's different than all the rest. I don't think that AI is a buzzword. And the reason being is I'm seeing real world impacts of it already. Seeing it be implemented into real technology, being used by real people at home and in their job. So AI to me is different than the rest of these buzzwords because it's actually being implemented everywhere. Now, maybe there's still hope for the metaverse. Maybe it'll be implemented later. Maybe Mark Zuckerberg will make the meta plan successful and Oculus will be a massive hit. Maybe Apple will come out with their new VR headset and that will make the metaverse a big hit. But I'm still very skeptical because I don't see the evidence. I need to see this actually have real world application, people really putting on headsets and working from home and doing all of that before I consider it much more than a trend. Right now, this is still heavily in the trend area. And again, I do not think that AI is a trend. I think that's in a different category. Now, finally, we move on to a design change here. While all these other companies are focused on AI, robots taking over the world, massive job loss, you know what Pepsi's working on? Pepsi's working on redesigning their logo. Pepsi unveils the new logo and visual identity, marking the iconic brand's next era. We have it right here. This is from Pepsi themselves. Let's take a look at what they're doing here. That's the logo, and that's the design concept. It, I like the fact, if you actually look at it, let me show some mock-ups here of the before and after. I like the fact that they didn't try to go to the new, everybody's going super simplistic and not bold, but like undercase and, and, and extremely simplistic with their logos. And what Pepsi did was they took a different direction. They brought things back a little bit. They made it a little bit more retro. They have uppercase letters, not lowercase. They have a more bold text, which I like. I put Qualtrum in bold text. I like bold text on my videos. And then they have the, the wavy lines. They kept that the same. They have the same vibrant colors. I, I like circles. I really like the look of circles organically when I'm doing design. I, I think it, I just like it. I like overall the logo. The history of Pepsi is an interesting one. You can go back and look at all their logos and their designs. They change it from time to time. But I thought that this was a very fun change from the company. Comparing it to their previous logo, I like it more. Maybe you disagree. It's hard for people to get on board with change in general. When you have the previous logo that you're used to seeing, that you've been used to for years, most people do not like the newer change. But in this case, keeping an open mind about it, I found myself preferring the new one. I think it's a better logo. But there you have it. Pepsi has their new logo. That's all the news for this time. If you want more exclusive content, check out the Patreon. There's a link in the description below. Other than that, subscribe to the channel and I'll see you in the next one.